What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Stroud, CMO of W2O Group and host of the What to Know podcast. And we are here today still at the National Summit on Strategic Communications. Uh, I am sitting down now with Stephanie Cathcart, and I could pronounce her last name differently if we were in Scotland. We were joking about that before. She is the Global Head of External Affairs uh, at GE Oil and Gas, and I believe you've been there for about two and three quarter years, two years and nine months, LinkedIn tells me. But you have a fascinating background. So first of all, welcome. I'll let you jump in before I get too (laughs) long-winded. You have things in your past, like I think you started at Edelman. Um, you spent time as the press secretary for the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, you worked for Bush and Cheney on their campaign in 2004 and helped with the inauguration. Um, you worked for five years at the National Federation of Independent Business, uh, NFIB, as a senior media manager. The thing I think I was most fascinated, although one could argue the Bush-Cheney thing, um, you spent six months in Nairobi, or at least working on uh, sub-Saharan Africa for GE Oil and Gas. And looking at you, and not to say, you know, uh, you can judge a book by its cover, but you just, you know, you're fair-haired, you know, blue-eyed. You don't strike me as someone that would be (laughs) spending time in sub-Saharan Africa. So, uh, and I'm sure you have a wonderful story, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I could talk to you for hours about my time there. Just a wonderful experience. Um, I was in GE corporate um, before I came over into the oil and gas business. And in my time there, as I was expanding my expertise in global communications, I had gone into um, my boss and we had had some conversations about, okay, how do I get a little bit deeper on some of the businesses? How do I expose myself a little more globally and so I had this fantastic opportunity um, oil and gas um, GE's business was expanding their footprint in sub-saharan Africa a really important market for us and they didn't have a communications presence and they needed somebody to come in and, and kind of set up some structure for them um, make some decisions about how to staff it, what we needed to to um, to do in the marketplace, right? To help introduce our company, to help our sales guys um, in the target markets. And so, um, actually, it was funny because right up until maybe about a month before, I was supposed to be going to Nigeria, Lagos, um, which is um, anybody who's lived or worked or visited Africa knows that's a very different experience than going to Nairobi. But at the last minute, we flipped it and put me over in the headquarters with our CEO in Africa. And I tell you, I just, it, it was hands down the best experience of my life, not just from a professional um, sense, which I think is important, right? I grew in so many ways in how you approach global markets, how you introduce yourself in new, company, in new countries, um, all the cultural things that you have to take into account. And yes, being um, a Caucasian, blonde-haired, green-eyed gal running around there, right? Um, but also the personal experiences. I met amazing people. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's also a fun life being there because you're in an expat status, right? So I literally had to get up, go to work, do my job, and enjoy Africa and enjoy the experiences. Um, the rest is, is certainly uh, makes it a little bit easier uh, to tolerate any hardship, which there was none for me. It was just an incredible, wholesome experience, which you don't always get work and play. That's awesome. And I realized as I yeah. was saying that, like, I don't know what someone would look like that would go <laughs> yeah. over there. But like I yeah, said, you just no, you look like, you know, yeah. you're 
person that works in you know uh, global comms and you know very confident and all sure. that. So anyway. Well, no, and and look, actually, there's there's a lot of experiences and learnings you can take from being in a market like that, right? So here in the U.S., um, we're incredibly diverse, right? You look around, but actually, the, the a lot of these markets, there's not a lot of diversity. Um, you know, it's a lot. It's it's um, there's expats and then there's Africans in a lot of these markets. Now that's changed significantly, probably in the last decade or so, but especially as some of these markets have come on as social media has become so prevalent. Um, but it is, it's different and you have to be able to carry yourself in that. That could be a little intimidating maybe for somebody that's not used to being in that environment, different languages, um, different kind of approach to how you engage with people and the deference and what that means. Just like any place that you go, same thing in China when you present a business card in China you present it with your two hands and it's a it's a it's a very formal procedure versus maybe another market so there's a there's a takeaway to that and I think it was a good learning for me and frankly I wouldn't have had it I mean a global company but I wouldn't have had it without being really immersed in it and that that makes a difference yeah well I, I assume that that was the case and I think you know, we're skipping out on a panel right now with some folks from uh, Takeda and uh, Marta, who we interviewed earlier. Um, we're going to actually interview uh, Naboku um, later tomorrow, I think. Um, I don't want to skip over, though, this important part, which is the work you did on the Bush-Cheney campaign. And I'm not talking about it from a politi uh, politics perspective, but I'd love to know as a communicator, like, what did you learn? I know a lot of really smart folks that have done crisis and have gotten into comms that have worked you know, in the political world, because in some ways it's kind of like the ultimate in communications, right? All aspects of it. So, you know, what lessons did you draw upon that experience? Oh, man. A great question. I, you know, I, I look at, um, I look at campaigns as you're exactly right. The true training ground, the ultimate kind of adventure for, um, to create a wholesome communicator. Um, Probably not since the campaign, I would say, have I learned as much. I mean, GE is 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 certainly surpassing that now, given given my time here at six years. But but honestly, um, the Bush Cheney working on any campaign, no matter who who you're working for. Although I, I you know personally, it's always good to work for a boss that you believe in and that you know is a good person is doing the right things for the country. There's that makes it easy and authentic and what you go to market with, right? But um, I hire, I look for people that have campaign um, experience or or have administration experience even, or worked on the Hill. Uh, I like those qualities because there's a couple key things you get. One, you learn messaging. You learn messaging really fast, and, and you learn what works really fast in a campaign environment. And so you learn how to hone message. You learn how to quickly boil down something and say, okay, here's how we have to talk about it. Um, and then you learn about repetition and how you bring that to life through different platforms, surrogates in the case of, of campaigns, through advocates, through grassroots, through, through the rest of your media channels that you're going to use but then the other piece on the campaign that I think is so important is triage right um, campaign teaches you how to prioritize the things that are important minimize the things that aren't and to have a strategy and a reaction that's fast that's agile that pivots with the with the issue and that you respond to quickly so take those fast messages learn how to put them to work and so that triage and ability to sort of manage a lot of things pick the things that are most important is I think incredibly important now as we think about prioritization being such a challenge for communicators um, I talked to so many communicators 
leaders who spend lots of hours in the office, very busy. Everyone's always really, we always say we're flat out. There's just so much to do. And so much of what we have to do now is prioritizing what matters, what's truly going to matter. I could fill my day doing nothing but a few social media projects around one particular piece of equipment in my day job. But that's not the priority. And so you have to be able to quickly make those decisions, do those trade-offs. And in a campaign, you have no choice but to pivot quickly. There is no other option um, because you have a finite period of time to get your guy elected. Yeah. Well, so that's great. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I do want to sort of evolve into current time, right, which is now we're talking about um, GE oil and gas. And I will be completely transparent with you that when <laughs> I saw that you were talking about digital transformation, the real thing for oil and gas, I was like, how exciting can this possibly be? <laughs> what I will tell you is it was actually very exciting. And I think, as I was saying before, you know, definitely a mind meld with I've grown up in digital and social. And so you talked about this concept of digital industrial. You talked about uh, your merger recently with Baker Hughes. Uh, coming, coming up. up. Sorry, your, your impending uh, <laughs> merger. We need to speak clearly about that Very stuff. Careful, I get it. Yes. I get it. Um, but the thing that I really loved is you talked about sort of the things that you're focusing on. And I was a little surprised, but pleasantly surprised and nodding my head the entire time you were speaking because if I could have sat down with someone, you know, over the last 10 years and said, here are things you should be doing, you are nailing all of those things. So clearly we were, you know, grew up on the same, uh, same system. So talk Can a little bit. Can you tell my boss that? I will absolutely. <laughs> we'll make sure your boss hears this podcast. Lorenzo Simonelli, that's his name. Lorenzo, <laughs> we're talking to you. Um, she was on, Stephanie was on message. So you talked about digital capabilities. Um, you talked about the GE story. You talked about global scale. The thing that I really liked though, um, was you talking about today's communicator and the things that were really important. And so I'm not going to steal your thunder, but just as a hint, I loved the idea of comms for the bottom line, killer content, you know, setting employees free. Like these are things that we sort of really work hard with our clients to get clear, you know, talk about what you're doing there and talk about, you know, even the gas turbine piece of content that organically I think was one of your highest performing. So I will shut up and let you tell your story here. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, the, the sort of three things, and these are three of probably many pieces of advice, right, that we can give to each other. But um, as we think about how you position communications going forward, it's no longer just that PR person, that platform there. It's it's making sure that you're marketing your mark comps however you're set up it doesn't really matter but so long as your mindset is about what your comms can do for the bottom line what your channels how you put them to work for your bottom line how you market condition to help introduce a concept in this case digital industrial like I, I said in the talk we made the term up we literally made it up and we brought it to life so we had to both build the marketplace and then talk about what we we're going to do for that marketplace and so I think being able to show that communications can have a value there and that it's not um, on the outer edges in a B2B marketplace, I have to say that's not always the case. We're lucky, GE values it. They put us in a very important um, uh, seat at the table. But that's not 
always the case. And, and I, I differentiate because in, in B2C markets, there's a consumer at the end of this who's going to demand that. There is a responsibility for the company to be thinking about the bottom line in terms of how they're communicating to those folks. Not always the case in B2B. You're going to continue to sell a gas turbine, whether you've managed a communications process correctly or not. However, are you going to sell more? Are you going to sell it with a feel good? Are you going to have a customer for life? Are you going to have a service model that benefits you? That's a very different conversation, and that's an important one. I talked a little bit about content and... Um, killer content. Killer content. I did call it killer content. That's because GE really values this. We're really gutsy. Um, we don't communicate like a B2B company. We communicate a little bit more like a B2C company. And so what that's done is opened up some doors and some flexibility for us to test and have a little fun. Can I just... I want to interject for one second because I think... That's one of the things that really resonated with me. The way you were talking about it and some of the examples you were showing, I think people sometimes fall into the trap that if you're in B2B marketing or communications, you have to be boring and you have to talk about <laughs> boring stuff. And guess what? The people on the other side of that B are people. And they are on places like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Snapchat and Instagram. They want to be entertained. They don't want to be bored to death with like, boring specs and you know sort of schematics and pdfs right? That's right they want things like drones and you know very interesting pieces of content so i yeah. i just wanted to yeah. stop and tell you i was really glad when i heard you say Thank that you. and i'm glad to yeah. hear you say that again no oh, that's great well I, I and we we've done it in some cool ways you mentioned earlier um one of the fun examples that i shared we launched a brand new gas turbine which is boring to everyone else in the world unless you work in oil and gas perhaps um but we were able to to do it in kind of a fun way that was um completely counterintuitive to what you would expect for a five-year engineering project that truly is an, a, a work of art and an incredible piece of engineering Right. So you take that and we what we did is we launched it at a customer event. Um, we have this annual customer event in Florence. It was built in Florence and too big to get it into the space that we we're having it. Um, we were doing it at the Santa Maria Novella, which is a very famous um, monastery, one of the most historic buildings in Florence. We did it in this old courtyard with about a thousand or so customers um, milling about. And you had these old, you know, the olive trees going up and this beautiful old stone backdrops. So you got this historic historic old place and we basically put on a laser show and uh, had a um, full-scale hologram of the actual turbine at the end of that um, with a lot of interesting facts. That, and that was probably safer than bringing the actual turbine in yeah. and accidentally knocking over yeah, one of these old trees or stone walls. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And and look, we, we wowed them. We did a big you know, techno show and kind of did it in our cool way, the way we wanted to. And what we did is actually, we're very proud of this, GE Oil & Gas is the first GE business uh, to launch um, a piece of equipment on Facebook Live. And so we kind of had this cool thing. We said, well, why don't we put this out in another way? Um, we can bring them in. Everyone loves a good laser show, right? And everyone loves a good hologram. And why not talk about the technology, show the technology, and give them something to feel, give them something to see. So that's what we did. And we, it was our largest um, organic viewership um, for GE overall. And I say organic mainly because we didn't put any paid behind it because we weren't quite sure what we were doing with it. Um, and it, it really, it, 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 paid itself over many times over and it's something that I don't know how we could replicate it that way again but it certainly is a testament to us testing a new channel and doing it in a cool way when we have a visual story to tell. 
Well, and I think you don't have to do something novel every single time, right. but to break through is good. And if you're using some of the principles you use, so uh, like I love the fact that you talked about thought leadership and I think the fact that your team spends about 75% of its time doing this. You talked about your tech talks, which was a partnership you did with LinkedIn, but it's on your .com, so you get the SEO benefit. I don't want to forget about, though, the thing that I'm very passionate about, which is this employee, employees, you know, set your yeah. employees free is what you said, but talking about this employee communications, employee advocacy, the ability to get the right social tools in their hands. Um, I'll let you talk yeah, about Elevate. No, that's and, right. yeah. and, and just sort of how, I think a lot of companies have a hard time with that, but talk us through like the benefits you've seen and how you've gone about doing that. Look, it's a risk reward for any company and you have to do what works with your culture. If your culture is not there yet, you need to ease them into it. But GE had a culture um, of trust, of compliance. And, and we said, look, employees are brand ambassadors. They're your best advocates. Why not put them to work? Um, why not open it up? And so we didn't put a lot of rules on them. Um, it was really gutsy of us. We have 300,000 employees in the world. I mean, it, for a test, that's a pretty big test. But we said, look, our, our employees care about our company. Like they care about what they do. They're good at it. We're a good company to our employees. Um, and, and I think we feel that our, our employees have a loyalty to that. And so, look, yes, you sign your spirit and letter as part of our company. Yes, you go through compliance training. But at the end of the day, what you put out on your social channels are what you put out on your social channels. So what we said is, all right, so let's make sure we arm them with good information. Make sure we know where they know where they can find good information. And just in the last few years, we've brought in a couple of cool platforms that we're kind of testing to help channel and maybe funnel people that perhaps weren't advocates, but we wanted to take them over into advocacy space. So one of them's Eddie. It's specific to GE. We built it ourselves. Um, and so it's a it's a place that that streamlines content. You can opt in, opt out of different different search filters, but it's GE specific content and allows them to share and allows them um, to show engagement. And, and one of the things that's really important about that is that we as a company can see not them personally, but the numbers and the data and what, what we're getting as a result of it. One of the things, you know, I was talking about earlier, that bottom line piece, it matters to be able to show where that content's going, who it's going to, are they stakeholders that matter to you, and how is it being amplified as it goes out into the marketplace. The other platform is Elevate. It's connected, and we're working on a connection actually into our marketing platform, Marketo. Um, if we crack this code, it, it could be a big one. But Elevate is something that LinkedIn put together. Um, it brings in other platforms as well. It's a very similar concept as Eddie. Only the difference is that it also can bring in outside content, which we really love because it's a little more thought leadership driven. And what it allows our guys to do is share, engage. They can post in that way and track. And then we, we, the big, the big mothership platform can amplify that. So we can put out subject matter experts um, in a really unique and different way. And these engineers, man, they have communities of people that they follow. I put out I think we put out a drone video and the thing blew up and it didn't blow up in oil and gas it blew up over on the avionics side and then all this crossover technology and sharing and group sharing started happening it was really fun to watch so i think we we took down the barriers but then we kind of gave them some tools and allowed them to just put it to work i mean you're never going to control what you what's going to be said we follow the same rules that a lot of people do, which is you can say what you want about the company, but you can't take go after our employees. You can't go after um, um, people in a violent or aggressive way. We have a very clear set of guidelines on what 
what we as a platform will respond to. But outside of that, we take it and we and we we allow the dialogue to happen. And to be honest with you, knock on wood, we've we've really been able to control that and use it in a positive way. And, and frankly, even in the tough circumstances, we're still really pleased that we have that open policy um, because it shows that we're a transparent company that 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 we can permeate back and forth, and that that's okay. That's okay with us, and we're confident in what we're putting out there. Yeah, well, and I think it goes a long way toward you know one of the last things you talked about in terms of what's next, and that is catering to millennials, right? We know that millennials are all different, but at the same time, there are general characteristics that are similar, and some of that is being more digital first, and the other is really trusting in a company that is transparent and treats them like adults. And, and it's not to say that baby boomers or Gen Xers like to be treated like babies, but I think there is that element of, I can go to a lot of places, right? As Gen Xers are moving out, or uh, sorry, um, baby boomers are moving out of the market at a disproportionately large number, it's getting filled in with millennials. So you have to like work hard and you're fighting against the Facebooks, I'm sure, and the Twitters and other, you know, sexy B2C companies that you're, you know, buying for that talent. So you have to really do everything you can to make sure you're getting the top talent in. That's right. No, that's right. And it's a great platform. And if we can show leadership in that way, but if you can put it to work for your objectives, gosh, what a what a added benefit to that. I mean, I think about us from a global point of view and social is the is the great equalizer for us. Right. So we're in so many markets. And frankly, um, Africa is one of those we talked we started there. Right. But they leapfrogged the industry. Um, they, they totally missed and, and skipped over. And they started on social channels. They didn't start with email. They started with Facebook. They started with WhatsApp. They started with all these other other platforms. And so you have to be able to go to them the way they want to be talked to and about and with and engage with them in that way. Um, frankly, as I think about the great crew change, which is what the oil and gas industry talks about, the retiring workforce, this baby boomer group that's leaving, um, we we talk about that crew change and and i talk about how we make sure we represent ourselves as a company that young engineers young data scientists want to come and work for because that's who we want to come and join us yeah and and it's a hard group to attract but it sounds like you're doing all of the right things um i do want to pull us into the sort of final section this is one that i like to do with you know to sort of focus on with all the guests um, who is influencing the influencers? So we talked a little bit. I think we're going to skip book because you've read a lot of comms books, but what's inspiring you is maybe more blogging content. And by the way, we are live at an event, and we've got our caterers setting up for drinks later. Um, and then, you know, who inspires you or who's sort of been one of your, uh, your influencers in your life? And then we'll do the last fun question after yeah. that. So from the influencer standpoint, um, you know, there's – I've had I've been lucky to work with a lot of really great communications professionals um, and just learn a ton um, from them. I I've I've been lucky to have some great bosses at GE. Um, Gary Sheffer was our chief communications officer for a long time at GE, and I tell you I learned very quickly that um, and and I'm still working on this myself. But you can say a lot with a little. And Gary was always a very level head, a very measured guy. Um, I appreciated the way he valued public affairs um, and he valued the reputation management thinking and as it rolled into our our own communications planning and, and how important it is as part of that full 360 communications approach. And so he's just been a great influencer um, and, and just a great advocate and, and, and a good coach um, over the years. Um, and then, you know, I cut 
cut my chops early um, working with a woman who um, uh, who kind of I was an intern and then she hired me out of school at Edelman and I got such a great grounding of all the good basics in communications that you need to know. We talk about all these new technologies, these new platforms, but you still need the basics. You still need to understand how you form your message. Where do you put it out? How do you put it out? How do you deal with media? You need to understand that engagement. And so, um, you know, Michelle was her name and she was just such a great influence and so good to me. And I'm proud to say that both of them are so good friends and people that I talk with a lot and I, I call for advice and I call when I'm, oh gosh, I really flubbed this one. So um, I think everybody needs kind of that coach and that mentor and that friend. Yeah, it's helpful to have those yeah. people in your yeah. life. Uh, especially because sometimes as great as parents are, parents don't necessarily That's right. understand That's right. the That's right. intricacies of yeah. oil and gas, social media, good content. Uh, so last fun question, or I hope it's fun, and that is and you had an immediate, like, I know what it is when oh, I yes, first yes. prepped for this. <laughs> uh, you're stuck on a desert island, and you have one album, maybe not your favorite, but the one that's the most listenable for you know, eternity, what is that album been like? <laughs> well, here's here's the one problem with this. Now I've had some time to think on that because you gave me a little heads up oh, about so we, that we're question. we're changing now, okay. Well, we're not changing, we're gonna stick to it, but I wanna tell you what my backup that sprung into my head was. Um, and actually there were two backups, but I'm going with The Who, I'm going with my original greatest hits, who I mean you got to be able to scream little Robert Daltrey come on like you're gonna it's gonna work right um, but I have to tell you I was uh, Rolling Stones of course was the fast second right behind that and then I got to thinking I have to play it over and over and over again who had a lot of diversity the Beatles would be a great one too but the who still the greatest concert I've ever been to and um, definitely the one I think I would I would I would I would go into the sand with <laughs> I'm always surprised by people's choices. I love your choices. Um, and I, it's just, it's, you know, I think what's most interesting is the rationale behind it. I've yet to see the Who live. I've seen a million oh. concerts and they're one well, of the few. So my daughter, my 18-year-old daughter actually saw them before I did, believe they it or not. They were here in Washington and you missed them just a few Well, so I'm in San Francisco ago. and they played oh, in San Francisco, okay. I think it was about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. But they are starting to make their way around again. Are they touring so. again? Well, uh, I think go. they're supposed to and like sometime over the next Put it on the bucket list. I will have to do that because I, mean, I grew up listening to the hook. These guys are old and they're still jamming. I, know, I mean, they I know. still got the lungs. Well, that's the thing that's funny is, is that sometimes <laughs> like Mick Jagger, um, I was talking with someone earlier about uh, their choice and it was, you know, David Lee Roth and talking about how he really is not very mobile anymore. So yeah. anyway, um, this is Aaron <laughs> Strout, CMO of W2O Group host of the What to Know podcast. Uh, I've had the pleasure of spending time with Stephanie Cathcart. She is the uh, global head of external comms at GE Oil & Gas. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us, Thank Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks. Want more episodes of the What to Know podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Check them out on iTunes, the podcast app, and the podcast page at w2ogroup.com backslash what to know.